You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Simon's getting all ready. Yep. Just give somebody a quick massage before you should sit down because they're going to get very cold. I see Trish standing there all bundled up and huddled up. And Trish, you look like you're about to disappear in your jumper. <laughs> look at her just sinking down into that. You're going to disappear in a minute. I've got a, I've got a scarf and a jacket there I can, uh, I can uh, auction for anybody thanks guys Gavin was just telling me you know how the wheels of government roll he's been trying for three weeks to get the heaters fixed here and he, he's trying very hard for us now this is the place to sit because he, there are heaters down here I kid you not he's turned them on and he said hopefully some of it will come up but you guys up there too bad you're lost you're the frozen chosen These, these are the, the coals of fire down here. So, good to be back this weekend. We, this is the kind of season of the year that we are in and out of other churches that we relate to and, and, uh, and oversee and speak into. So, we were at one last weekend. We'll be at one next weekend. So, we're kind of in between back and forth. So, it's, it's good to be home. I saw a little sign back there before I got up. Red sparkling shoes on the sign. Dorothy, you know what I'm talking about? It says, keep calm uh there's no place like home so you know dorothy don't you oh come on wizard of oz even the young people should know that one don't you nah tell you what the ends of the fingers get cold but it's good just clap your hands and rub them and, and do whatever do whatever you know earlier this year the pastoral team met and we talked about the unique things we thought God wants to do in the church uh, during this year. And we spoke about building into the marriages of the church. Do that again next year. We talked about the reality of loving like Jesus, victory emerging with momentum, taking ground, so forth, so on. But the one thing that kept coming back to us that we said, this seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit was to just take a pause and to breathe. Life gets hectic. There's so many demands. There's so many things that are have-tos in our world every day, even in our faith, have-to. You might get up in the morning and go, oh, I just have to do my devotion. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's no law that says you got to get up and do 30 minutes Bible reading. That ought to shock you. Matter of fact, be free from that. I'm not saying be free from Bible reading. I'm saying be free from the law that tells you you've got to get up and do it. You should do it because you're hungry. You're thirsty. And you just do it whenever. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I've got to get up. Oh, I didn't get up early enough this morning. Just be free. We need to take time to breathe. And we said, hey, let's just do July as a, as a month of rest. We did it years ago. Let's just do it again. You know, as Aussies, people think, rest, long weekend we got a month of long weekends. I would say chill, but you'll throw stuff at me. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Hey, you know me when it comes to the issue of rest. 
yeah, you know, it's something I'm not good at. I'm not the king of risk. See, I can't even stand here without tapping something. I can't even sit in my rocking chair without making, without making my rocking chair worry. I just move too much for my, you know how it is. I'm sure when you guys meet and plan a holiday, you don't, you don't sit in your little council and say, hey, I got a great idea. Let's ask Keith to go. He is great at rest. <laughs> nah. My inbox is not overflowing with invites to sit on a beach somewhere and sip Mai Tais with friends while we watch the sunset. Nah. Ain't going to happen. That's all right. I understand. I get it. I'm energetic. I'm on the move most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. And even when I walk, it's like a sprint. Right, Karen? Even through the airports. It's like, keep up or get left. That's the way it is. I remember first ever holiday we had in Australia, 1982. You remember that, honey? Erica was six months old. We went all the way from Wyala down to the coast at, uh, I think it was at Goolwa. And we, we were with friends, and we had this holiday house, and it was in the middle of nowhere. That's the worst thing could happen to me. <laughs> I, after about a day or two, I said, honey, I've had enough. It, you know, it is an absolute miracle that I have been on two cruises. I've just about made the motors of the boat get tired, because I've just found every inch of the ship within three days. Um, serious. Uh, by about the fifth day, I found the library, and I sat, and I read. There you go. I, I even turn music on while I'm reading. Anyway, we're down at Goolwell. Erica's six months old. Janet's still feeding her, and I said, honey, this is not my idea of a holiday. You've got to drop me in the middle of a big metropolitan city and let me work my way towards the outer edges. That's a holiday. That's a rest for me. So I, I put this backpack child carrier thing on, put Eric on my back, and off we went to Adelaide. Boom! Left Janet alone. Forgetting, Eric needs to be fed sometime today. <laughs> no, I didn't try. <laughs> no, Janet was in pain, not me. And Eric and I, for the rest of the day, just found out what Adelaide was about. That's my rest. I make people tired just having a conversation with them. I think Dave Stevenson and I are like that. We get along well with that. That's right. We do it. And, and, and when it comes to having a rest, I'm the worst. I know it. I know. I, I understand. It's a miracle I sit on the motorbike for as long as I do. That's because I give it energy. You know, that's how it is. But listen, I know I'm the worst, but that's if you define rest purely as stillness and dormancy. Okay. Perhaps that's a misconception and a limitation of the kind of rest that the Bible talks about. I know, I do understand. There are times David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know when the Lord makes me lie down? I'm still not still. You know, have you ever seen a kid, little kid, they try to make still, they're holding them down there, and everything's moving? Well, that's me. When the Lord lays me down, I'm still, you know. I, I'm lucky if I get four hours sleep a night. That's luxury, isn't it, Al? Yeah, four hours straight. But yet, the psalmist said, be still and know that I'm God. There is a stillness time. But, let me tell you this, rest does not mean inactivity. And this month is not about clearing the calendar and stopping everything. Great, we're not going to do anything. That's not rest. Not according to the Bible. 
Secondly, rest is not about being powerless. Oh, I've got no energy to rest. I'm so tired. Have you ever gone on a holiday and come home worse than when you went? Worn out? I heard you go with David Griffiths. It's like that. Yep. We're on the ship. How far can we go? I've gone on holidays and come back and need the rest from the holiday. Time out does not necessitate rest. Because it's not about being powerless. Rest isn't about not being passionate. I have no energy. I have no motivation. We're going to have rest because we lack drive. No, no, that's not true. Rest means that I cease from striving. I'll get to that in a minute and show you why. But I, I... when I'm at rest, I don't strive about being saved. I have met so many Christians that are so worried about whether they're really born again or not. And they never feel at rest or know they're at rest about that. Hey, listen, when I'm at rest, I know I'm a son of God. I don't, I don't, I don't have to strive to be approved by God. I don't have to strive to get my value and worth with God. I'm at rest with that. Maybe I used to, but not anymore. There is absolutely nothing more I could ever do to make me more valuable to God. And I'm good with that. Rest is not only from something, but it's to something. It's about taking a break from the daily grind and the routines of the week, but it's about engaging in things that energize us. What energizes you? Some people it's a book. For me it's walking. I really get energized by walking. I connect with God when I walk and things like that. So I walk and pray. I get refreshed. And this month, we are deliberately, listen, we are deliberately trimming the church calendar back from normal activities so we can take time to engage in undertakings that give us rest. You'll notice there's no church prayer this month because we want you to individually spend time with God. Trimming back meetings. All our groups are going to focus on this kind of thing because with rest there's also cause and effect genuine rest will look useful in the sense that it brings restoration rejuvenation and recreation that's a lot of asians isn't it sounds like they come from some country or something asian 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 but there is in in real biblical rest when 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 i am caused when i take rest the effect then causes me to feel refreshed If I don't come away refreshed, I haven't really rested. So let's go back and let's start where rest begins. This is the first week. Pastor Earl's doing it over at, uh, speaking on rest over at Northwest. And we're doing it here to get the month off and running and understanding to maximize it. Or else we get to the end of July and go, I don't really feel rested. Because you haven't focused on what re-energizes you. You've just switched off the calendar. And that doesn't mean rest. So let's go back to the origin of rest, the first time it was ever mentioned in the Bible. Have you ever heard of the law of first mention? Ever heard of that? The law of first mention, see a definition is uh, the first time a word occurs in the scriptures, it gives the key to understanding its meaning everywhere else. For instance, this is, a, this is a kind of a guideline that some people use when they study Scripture. 
It's a hermeneutical principle that some people use. The law of first mention says that to understand a particular word, we must first find the place in Scripture that it, it first appears and we study that passage. And then the Bible's first mention of it is simple and it's clear in its presentation that gets us ready for fuller teaching and unveiling of it as the Bible progresses on. Rest begins at the beginning in Genesis, but then you get all the way down to Hebrews and you go, ah, oh, that's what rest is about. It's not about having a day off. It's about a state of being with God. Anyway, so you might be surprised to know that rest originated with God himself. He was the first to take a rest. Did you know that? That's amazing. So let's start at the beginning. Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Interesting, all the way along, day one, good, day two, good, day three, four, five, good. He gets to day six, and what's the last thing he creates? Anybody know? Man and woman. And then what does he say? Very good. He's pleased. And so that was evening and the morning of the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1. By the way, there should be no chapter division here. It should just flow together. Thus. In other words, the sixth day is over. The heavens and the earth are there. And all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. Here it is, the first mention. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which he had created and made. And then if you were to go over to Exodus, Moses, chapter 31, Moses is up on the mountain. He's meeting with God. God's giving, here's how I want my people to live. You get down to 31, 17, and he's talking about the Sabbath. And he says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. This is about our covenant. So I want you to understand that rest has a lot to do with covenant, which is interesting. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Hang on a minute. It's, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about God here. We're not talking about some baby boomer. We're talking about God. It, it, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I question, why did God have to take a rest and be refreshed? He's omnipotent. He never loses any degree of power whatsoever. Omnipotent, you know what that means? Always all-powerful. It's not like, wow, sixth day, flip. I'm worn out. And look at these kids I've made. They wear me out. They're like two-year-olds. That's not why God took a rest. If you go back and read that verse in, in the message, it says it this way. In six days... God made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he stopped and took a long, deep breath. Isn't that interesting? The Hebrew word for refresh there means to breathe freely. All of a sudden, God goes, what's he doing? Interesting, the verb there for rested means the cessation of creative activity. So it doesn't mean that God entered a state of idleness. He went on long service. Or he had a long weekend off. God's not meeting with you guys today. It's his long weekend. 
Sorry, Adam, Eve, you're on your own. Mm -mm. You do realize he never stops working? Do you realize that? Wait a minute, it says he stopped. No, it says he stopped creating. Why? It was finished. Complete. Because in John chapter 5, verse 17, do you know what Jesus said? My Father is always at his work. He's always working. Because you see, he didn't just create the world. What did he do? He began to hold it all together. He's working. So what in the world does that mean? It means the completion of what he was doing. In other words, nothing left to do. Finished. Done. And so he enters rest from doing any more about that. What does that mean? It means that he looks at it and says, very good, nothing left to do. I'm satisfied. I'm pleased with it. I like it. Perfect. Nothing left. So what are we taking from this? When God stepped back and he took a breath and he ceased from his creative work, there was a sense of satisfaction and celebration. Did he just lay around and do nothing? Did he just become idle? He couldn't. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's always working. He's holding everything together. But what did he do? He steps back and he looks at it and says, very good. I like it. Finished. Nothing left to do. It's one of the worst things about having a beard. It's every time I look at the mirror, there's some hair sticking out everywhere. Even after I've gone and had the thing trimmed. It's like, it's never good. And I look at the creation that the, the woman that cuts my hair, I go straight home and ding, ding, ding. Oh, she missed it. Yeah, she missed that. I can't walk in the bathroom without picking up scissors and cutting some stray hair. It's never very good. God never looked at what he did and said, it's not enough. I left something out. There's something still to do. He could step back from it, look at it, fold his arms, take a deep breath and go, like it. Love it. Satisfied with it. So you know what true biblical rest is? It leads us to the place of being content. Listen to me. What are we looking for this month? We're looking for a place in our faith, in our life, in our walk, where we can step back and look at our life and go, man, it's good. Life is good. So good. And I want to tell you, I meet so many Christians who are not happy in life. They're not happy with their spouse. They're not happy with their friends. They're not happy with their Christianity. They're not happy with their job. They're not happy with their car. They're just blooming unhappy. And I go, what's it going to take for you to come to the place of rest where you go, I love life. You know, both in Peter and in Psalms, God says, love life. That's a mark of somebody who's at rest. And love life. The problem is we want the beard to be perfect before we like it. I said to Janet, it is really, really, Greg, it's getting gray, man. I said, Janet, I want to get rid of it. She goes, no, but I don't like it. No, I like it. End of story. She who must be obeyed spoke, and it is done. You guys didn't know that, did you? I obey my elders always. Boom. 
I got to keep saying that because I am still in my 50s. Just. Hey, listen. Now I know you're old because that went over there and I'm here. You won't get it back. I'll throw it down there. <laughs> Enjoy life. Hey, listen. Here's the deal. Our satisfaction has to come not from the circumstances, the surroundings, and all the things that we have or do. Our, 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 our satisfaction comes from knowing that the work that God has done in saving us is complete. Totally complete. What are you worried about? Why do you fret over your adoption, your Christianity? Why do you lose assurance? Because it's not even up to you to have assurance. He'll give it to you. Our satisfaction comes from knowing that, that the work of God in saving us and making us his kids, it is full, complete, total, finished. My soul and my mind is at rest when I think about my salvation and I think about the cross because there is nothing to be added to that. The whole book of Galatians is trying to tell a group of people, stop it! You're not at rest. You're trying to add something to grace. And it doesn't need to happen. Be at rest. There's nothing I have to do to pay for any sin I have ever committed or will commit, past, present, or future. I am forgiven. That's it. And my soul and my mind is content when I meditate on my sonship. It's when I don't think about my sonship, I get restless. I'm blessed as God's child. I don't have to perform for him to like me. I might have to do that for some of you, but I don't have to do that for him, ever. He never looks down and says, Keith, I don't approve of you. You better dance a bit more. You better sing a bit more. You better worship a bit more. No. He approves. He approves. And all of this leads to celebration. It, go back to what it said in, in Genesis 1. God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. What does that mean? He's celebrating. I, I, I just, I get, I get amused at where the prophet, one of the minor prophets said, he rejoices over you with singing. It says in the Psalms that his thoughts about you are so numerous they can't be numbered. I, I, I go, how does that work? And yet, when God looked at everything he made, he was pleased. And, and he was especially delighted when he looked at Adam and Eve and went, Oh, that's my highest creation. That's my likeness on the planet. They're like me. And so he walks with them and he blesses them. And in the same way, God celebrates you and me. His likeness has been restored in us. And he calls us his own. And he lavishes his love upon us. And Paul said in Ephesians that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Celebration. He lives in us. I want to tell you, that alone should cause us to celebrate our relationship with God because it never happened before Pentecost. 
The best that could happen was people could go looking after God. When you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. Guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. That's an Old Testament verse. That's an Old Testament concept. The only reason you can't find Him is because you aren't looking. Because He's right there. Wow. Hmm. But you know, for the nation of Israel, when they stopped and thought about the Sabbath, the word Shabbat meant rest. When they thought about that, it wasn't just, well, I've got to get alone and do nothing. You know, it actually says in Leviticus 23, 3, that they would do it together. They came together in a, in a sacred assembly. They didn't just sit around home doing nothing for the day. They gathered together to celebrate the goodness of God. In Esther chapter 9 verse 17, they not only gathered together, it said, man, they had a feast. They celebrated. They had a party to celebrate. And this month we're doing is dedicated to celebrating what God's done. So when you get together in your connect groups, man, don't get all D&M. Don't go to the place where you're going to wear somebody out with the heaviness of a study or something. Celebrate for heaven's sake. In the connect groups, in the church services, wherever we're at, it should be a time of reflecting on the goodness of God and just celebrating and being thankful. When's the last time you said, thanks, Father? And I'm not just talking about because we said, raise your hands. Say thank you. Thank you. It's like a robot, you know. Because somewhere during the day, all of a sudden, and you're contemplating the goodness of God, you just, oh, my goodness, Father, you've been so good. Thank you wells up from within you we rejoice in being his kids it's just amazing and we look at our child our life as a child of god and just think oh how good is it and this month of rest listen over the month we're going to talk about times of refreshing and enjoyment stillness breathing restoration do you know also attached to times of rest is security and peace trust all that stuff and we celebrate His presence together, and we do that with joy. Man, I think we ought to come together with an expectancy every week and every time we gather together that the Father is just going to shower some goodness on us. Why not? Because all of this causes satisfaction and celebration with not just what He's done, but what He's doing. We're not just talking about history. We're talking about future and now. That's what we're talking about. And we've got the capability of being satisfied in life, regardless of what's going on around us. You know what Paul said? He said this, God is at work in us right now to do His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. God is actually working inside of you and me right now because of His pleasure to do something incredible. Man, that is an awesome thing. It's not something just the past. We don't just look at the cross and go, thank you. We look at what's happening now and what's going to happen there and go, oh, it's awesome. Thank you, Father. So let's make a choice to focus on Him and His work rather than focusing on things that are detrimental and negative around us. Let's do that this month. We kind of ought to make a law. If it wasn't for a month of rest, we'd make it a law. No negative speaking the whole month. Just make it a law. And every time somebody does it, you go, ah. Yeah, but ah. But did you hear about ah? But I got a prayer point. Ah. 
Yeah, 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 it's a prayer point, isn't it? No. Because the deal is this, our contentment is not determined, or determined by what's going on around us. It's settled by what God is doing in us and through us. Make a choice. God, you're doing something incredible. Now you go, Keith, you're just giving us a pep talk. You're whipping up some positive thinking. No, I'm not. This is about taking the time to rest, to trust, to listen, to meditate and think about God. I said it at the beginning, rest is not about an event. It's about a person. He is our rest. And you'll see how good he is and, and that he does good. Maybe you ought to read Bill Johnson's book, God is Good. He's even better than you think. The psalmist told us over and over, oh, there's too many, but let's look at some of them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. You are good and do good. Focus on Him and how good He is. Choose rest in God and His goodness. See, Paul was in prison. He was bound. He was restricted. Sometimes he went without food and basic necessities. Sometimes he was in some of the dingiest, darkest parts of a, a dungeon. And in the middle of that, he wasn't robbed of his rest, his satisfaction. He talks about it, Philippians chapter 4. I don't have time to go into the context of that whole thing. It's around his, his needs were not being met and supplied by so many except for the church at Philippi and he's, he's, he's at times struggling he doesn't even have a coat to stay warm he doesn't have proper food to eat and yet in, in verse 12 of chapter 4 he says I know what it is to be in need I know what it is to have plenty he said I've been rich and I've been poor I've been filled up and I've been hungry and he said but I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. By the way, plenty will not make you content any more than lack will not make you content. He said, I learned the secret. I know what it's like to be well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. But here's the secret. I know I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, you know that phrase, gives me strength is so worded in the original that it should say like this, he continually strengthens me. It's not a once-off, guys. It's not a once-off visitation of God that zaps you. There is this walk with God that is constantly energizing you so that no matter what's going on around you, you go, I'm good. I, really, I'm good. Because, you know, genuine peace is not the lack of conflict. Genuine peace is the settledness of a soul, even in the face of conflict. This is what Paul's saying. And it's a declaration 
of satisfaction and celebration because of the work that God is doing in him and through him. He is constantly strengthening me every day for whatever I face. And, and, and his good for my life is shaping me to be more like him every day because all this is working together for my good. Not for God's good, for my good. Because he has called me according to his purpose. So I want to tell you something. During this month of rest, I want to encourage you to seek his presence. Seek him. Don't, don't seek time out. Seek time with him. He is our rest. And, and, you know, there are areas all of us, we strive in. We just try so hard to get better at. And as you wait upon him, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go to new levels of faith and security and trust no matter what's going on around you. Susanna Wesley, how many children did she have? I think it was seven. Was that right or was it 12? Who's a good Methodist in here? Janet, you are a Methodist. You ought to know that. 12. I don't know where her husband was, but they said that Susanna Wesley, an incredible woman of faith, that with kids running around, we think it's horrible when we got two nowadays. She had 12 tugging on the apron strings everywhere, and she just had no time during the day to pray if you look at circumstances. You know what she used to do to pray? She'd take her apron, pull it up over her head. Kids running around doing all kind of stuff. She found space with God in the middle of a hectic world. You read the songs that Charles Wesley wrote. What came out of that? You read the sermons that John Wesley preached. And the move of God that swept through uh, Great Britain because of those men. You know where it all started? A woman who was at rest with her God. That's where it started. And I want to encourage you, don't seek time out. Seek to have time out with Him. You walk with Him. Talk with Him about your frustrations and areas of your life that you're not satisfied with. Hey, come on, let's be honest. I know there are areas in my soul that I'm still going, I'm not happy with that. That's not good. That's not right. That's not the way He designed me to be. And I've already, for me, it's already started. It started even before yesterday. All right, God, you see them. I see them. I don't like them. I'm not content with that. I'm seeking to rest with you through this. And I know I'm going to come out the other side with that stuff no longer makes me restless. I'm trusting God for that. You need to trust God for that. And spend time with him. Come on, let's stand our feet. bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute I believe this is a prophetic moment because if we were all honest in here and we are being genuine in our relationship with God we would honestly say if you had the microphone and you were honest and bold enough to say before everybody yep there are issues of my soul that I struggle to have rest with they plague me, they dog me, they hound me, they haunt me almost daily. I'm not going to try to run from them this month by just escaping life. I'm going to run to the arms of my Father to find rest for my soul. I'm going to get caught up in the un those unforced rhythms of grace 
and I'm going to believe and I'm going to walk out of this month knowing that that restlessness, that dissatisfaction, that frustration of something that just hasn't stopped or changed, I'm going to walk out of this this month with rest in my soul because I've spent time with my Father who is my rest. close your eyes and think about that area of your soul right now. For some of you, it's your, it's your marriage. There's no rest in your marriage. You're together, but you're not at peace. For some of you, it's your health. And I'm not talking about accepting sickness as if, oh, well, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Facing God as your healer in front of that sickness. For some of you, it's your, it's your children. Your children aren't living the way you raised them to live and you can't be at rest that they are still in God's care and that He has a plan for their life. And you're worried about your kids, whether they're going to make it or not. God, right now, prophetically, you want to speak to every one of us and you want to speak into our soul and you want to bring the assurance of rest and security and trust and faith and hope. So God, right now, I believe you're calling us to lay worry down. You said in your word, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God and and the peace of God that that passes all understanding is going to guard your heart and your mind. That's rest. So right now in this place, God, we confess and we arrest worry in Jesus' name. we throw ourselves, God, wholly and solely into you and your presence. I prophesy right now over parents who are worried about their kids, whether they're grown or still young, they're worried whether they're going to make it, whether they're going to walk away from you, whether they're going to come back to you. I prophesy, God, that your word says that they have they have trained up their children in the ways they, sh- they should go and they will not depart from them. God, for those who are facing crisis in their marriage, God, I prophesy over them that their marriage was your dream, that their marriage was your life, that their marriage was your engineering, that their marriage was you bringing them together. And God, regardless of the state of it right now, I prophesy over that marriage that the home will be sanctified in Jesus' name. some God standing here today who don't know how to pay the next bill because their financial situation is in dire straits and they came here today just absolutely churned up about it. God, I thank you. I prophesy that you are the God of provision and you will meet their every need. Father, this month I prophesy a release 
of trust and security and hope and stillness and rest like we have never known before. This is going to be an amazing, incredible month. We're going to come out of this month knowing you at such a greater level than we've ever known. You are our rest. You are our peace. You are our hope and our security. And rest begins with you. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.